And I was ready. I was young and I was hungry. And I'm like, I'm going to buy this property and I'm going to fix it up. And there's just like so much money to be made here. Like I can do this. And it's going to, you know, pretty straightforward. Buy, fix, sell. Let's, let's do this. I'm ready. And? <laughs> Look, it was a lot more work than I had anticipated. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to help one million people reduce risk in their lives. And that mission has led me to create the Become a Better Investor community. In the community, you get access to our global asset allocation strategies and stock portfolios, our investment research, weekly live sessions, and most importantly, the risk reduction lessons I've learned from more than 500 guests. Go to MyWorstInvestmentEver.com right now to claim your exclusive podcast listener discount. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy. And I'm here with featured guest, Nick Carasta. Nick, are you ready to join the mission? Absolutely. Let's do it. And I'm going to introduce you to the audience. Nick was buying rental properties around the greater Toronto area and couldn't find anyone to help him find the data he needed to make educated decisions about local investment properties. Together with his brother, Tom, they quit their jobs in the software industry to start Rockstar Real Estate. What began as two brothers working out of a closet with zero clients has turned into a team of over 60 people working with thousands of clients who have now purchased billions of dollars in income property all across Ontario. They've authored three books, host a growing podcast, and run an educational membership program with over 1,000 clients and 22 different instructor-led classes. My God, that's amazing, Nick. The entire purpose of Rockstar Real Estate is to help Canadians build and buy assets that will help them live life on their own terms. Nick, tell us about the unique value that you bring to this wonderful world. Look, we're just we're just two guys, two guys that grow up and grew up in this area trying to figure things out. And I think what separates us is that we're just willing to share things, you know, the good, bad, or ugly. That's it. It's like, hey, look, we don't know everything. We've we figured some things out as we go. We're still trying to figure some things out. And if we can give people a little bit of a shortcut in some way by sharing the lessons that we've learned the hard way, so that they can learn them the easy way, and then maybe skip those, and maybe they can get into some more advanced lessons and then make those mistakes and share them with us. And that's it. No different than what you do. I just think yep. that a bunch of people working together, we all learn faster, we all grow more, we all help each other, you know, level up a level. Tell us a bit about the podcast, what people should expect when they, you know, listen in. So our podcast is called the Your Life Return Show. So that is everything we believe in. Like we, even with real estate and investing, we believe it's a means to an end, right? It's about living life on your terms and, and having options and, you know, the society we live in, you need financial options as well. So we do discuss some, you know, macro stuff. We discuss, we discuss real estate trends here, but it's beyond that. It's, we do, we bring on like a performance doctor that works with an NHL team to discuss like performance nutrition and that type of thing. Well, we had a guest on the other day that's running a, a business, a decent sized business, buying and reselling sneakers in that industry and in that world. So, or people that, you know, we bring in other investors that have how they, Real estate has helped them live life on their terms. So it's just a wide range of things, just about, just really about people that are out there doing what they want to be doing the way they want to be doing it, not harming anyone, but getting the results they need to live life on their terms. And it's really just kind of a range of topics. Mm. 
And talk about the membership program. I know, you know, I have some different groups and things like that, but nothing like this group that you've got with over a thousand clients and 22 different instructor led classes. Yeah. Well, look, we started with two. Okay. So the tw- the extra 20 came just from demand over time because we've been at this for a while. So our team, you know, delivers a lot of them now. We get other professionals, but the membership is really geared towards real estate investors, primarily Canadian real estate investors, and even yep. more so local because we'll, we'll hold, the, hold their hand on, on the whole process. And it's, it's kind of the systems and to how to implement the systems to get these repeatable results that you want. So we really are there to hold people through, hold their hand through the whole process of investing in properties from beginning or end, you know, through the good, bad and ugly. It's not a lot of people, so many people, and and in your world, I'm sure you've seen this, like so many people want the easy button. It's like, oh, what's the number one best investment that's going to make me $2 million tomorrow? And I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm looking for that too. Let me know. Right. So, so we're just like, hey, look, it's a process, but it it works. If you follow a proper system and you're you're investing for the long term and you're looking up principles and fundamentals of things, there's real profit to be made, you know, and here's here's our view on it. And we try to help people and we're, we're there to support them through through the whole process. Mm. Curious, I have a, a podcast interview with a friend of mine yesterday, and she is Canadian. She's living in Malaysia. And she's okay. thinking about retiring. And one of her options is to move back to Canada, I think, I believe Vancouver. And her biggest fear is that, you know, property prices are so high, number one. So buying is, you know, a pretty big thing to go back. And I don't know what's happening with rental. And then she's afraid that, you know, the cost of living's quite high. And yeah, compared to Malaysia and Thailand, you know, it probably is. But I'm just curious, like, what advice would you give someone like that who hasn't looked at the property market for a long time in Canada. And now I believe prices have been, you know, pumped up pretty high. Should they be renting? Should they be buying? Should they be looking for something small? Should they be, how would you, what advice would you give her? Well, be prepared for sticker shock from when you left, I guess. Um, (laughs) But uh, it's tough, right? Like it's such a local game. So I'm very, I'm much more familiar with the markets around here, but I am somewhat familiar with the markets there and what, you know, in the Vancouver area, what's been happening. Overall, what we've seen in, in different some areas of, of Canada, primarily Vancouver and Toronto and the surrounding areas, are we've seen just not enough housing starts to keep up with the population growth that we've been seeing. So the supply and demand fundamentals are a little bit out of whack. Now, having said that, that was just like the kindling on the fire. And then the the easy money, low interest rate policies, you know, inflation-based policies that we put in, was that was like- on the fire. Yeah, I was going to say jet fuel, but gasoline too. Yeah, yeah, whatever, you know. I was trying to think of maybe it's dynamite, whatever we want yes. to put on the fire, right? So it's kind of throwing everything out of whack. And we are we are short-term in an area now where this over-exuberance has been coming down and settling back down. I think we probably have a little bit more, I'm probably have one more leg down before we kind of build off that kind of where we were. But, you know, I'm a big believer that if I like assets and if I can get a good asset that gives me options. So whether I live in it or if I decide to move on someplace else, I can then rent that asset out. And there's a there's a decent rental component that has helps me break even or better yet, create cash flow. Then I'm all for owning that asset for a period of time. So that's that's the way I look at things. I'm like an old school, you know, give me hard assets if they spit off cash flow even better. And that's kind of the way I looked I look to invest. So so if you can find something like that that gives you the options both ways, then to me personally, I would be invest I would be interested in buying something. 
Okay. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. So look, I had two options. I bought the one, the, this is not the one, but I did buy Northern Telecom. If you, you'll probably remember Northern Telecom, the company. Yep. I did buy that stock and it went complete. And that was early. It was my very first like stock buy. And it went to zero, like absolutely zero. So that's one, but we won't use that one because there's not very many lessons there. <laughs> so the one I'll, I'll talk about is a real estate one. And I went in, I was new. It was my first property that I bought. I had just taken one of those like real estate weekend boot camp things that have been all over you know, different Canadian and American cities. They go and, and I was ready. I was young and I was hungry. And I'm like, I'm going to buy this property and I'm going to fix it up. And there's just like so much money to be made here. Like I can do this and it's going to, you know, pretty straightforward, buy, fix, sell. Let's, let's do this. I'm ready. And <laughs> Look, it was a lot more work than I had anticipated. It was it was long, long days. I was working full time. I was still living home with my parents. I'd be waking up at 5.30 in the morning. We're taking my dad. My dad was working drywall. I had a drywall business. I'd be taking his pickup truck to the, the house the night before and loading up all the garbage from the night before. I was about 20, 21. And no 21-year-old wants to get up about five in the morning to start doing this, right? And I'm waking up, loading up the garbage, going to the local dump. I was like waiting for the gates to open so I could go empty the, the pickup truck and take it back to my dad's house and let him take the pickup truck for his drywall business. I would go work. I was in IT at the time. I would go work all day and then go back and start doing renovations again the night before. And I'm just burning the candle at both ends. I had to end up asking friends for help, my father and his drywall business, his contacts for help and that type of thing. At the end of the day, though, I did end up actually making profit from it, but the profit ended up being $4,000. And for the amount of work and time that I put into it, I mean, I was in, that was IT in the days where like IT workers were in hot demand. Like I could have worked a little bit of overtime and, and made 4,000 bucks. You know what I mean? So it was profitable. It was barely profitable. I would not do the amount of work again for the money. However, the lessons that I learned were that's where the things changed for me. But from the financial perspective, the amount of work and the, the overall return on investment was just not, it wasn't, it was, it was yeah. not a good thing. And if an outsider did the calculation of whether you made money on it, they would calculate your time at a market rate. And they probably yeah. would say, okay, you're probably contributing your time. And, uh, <laughs> but we'd have to book it as a, a legitimate cost. And so then it would be under. So how yeah, would you yeah, how would you describe, yeah, would you Sorry, describe the lessons that you learned? The lessons that I learned changed my life. And I, I don't mean that lightly. They legitimately did. And I think what it allowed me to understand is that there's way more to the world and way more going on than I understood. I had recently graduated school. I was went into a full-time role, full-time IT role. And that's kind of what I was taught. Like you go to school, you get a good job and you, you, know, you just move on. Then you just kind of work your way up the corporate ladder. And this showed me that there was potential to this stuff. And there's just other things out there. And it just opened my mind to being like, okay, I believe in this, this asset class. Like I just see this real estate stuff. I can understand it. There's something here 
but maybe this like buying and selling, like I just didn't get it. I was like, why am I doing all this work to sell it? And then, you know, maybe if the payday is bigger, maybe I would have thought differently, but I was like, I don't get it. But if I can hold on to this thing, like there's got to be these other avenues. And that's when I started, I think maybe that's when I finally read Rich Dad, Poor Dad or something like a few of those books. There was the One Millionaire, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, The Millionaire Next Door. And I started getting a sense of this stuff. And I started understanding this thing about this self-liquidating asset. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And then I started understanding. I was like, oh my God, I had one of those if I rented it out. And now I just sold it. So it just expanded my horizon. So there was the lessons. And then on top of the lessons, everything that I was scared about and I was scared about doing, though a lot of it came true, but I handled it. Right. And I got through it on the other side. And all my fears, I was able to look at it and be like, hey, it wasn't such a big deal after all. So as I encountered the same situations later on, I was like, oh, okay, I got this problem, you know, whatever, foundations kind of caving in or something. Okay, I've dealt with that. No problem. I can handle it. So myself as a person, I feel like I grew as a person and I was able to handle bigger problems. And, you know, one of the things that I ended up saying out of that is, you know, one of my beliefs is whoever handles the most crap, I use a different word, it's four letters, starts with SH, <laughs> whoever handles the most crap wins. Because I think that, you know, if you're able to level, if you stop worrying with the little stuff, and you're able to level yourself up to bigger problems, there's bigger opportunity for you as well. So I don't know, that's it in a nutshell. I don't know if that's yeah. clear enough, but there's so there was so much to unpack there. But it, it and then that got me further down into the real estate road and, and investing in properties from a young age is I'm, you know, I'm 44 now, and it's changed my life, like it legitimately has changed my life, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess my biggest takeaway of that is for the listeners out there, if you can learn to identify problems and solve them, you've got a lot of opportunity in this world. And many people have a hard time identifying what the problem is, and they don't have the skills to solve the problem. Sometimes those skills are grit and sticking with it. Sometimes those skills are stepping back. Sometimes those skills are asking other people for advice or help with something. But if you've got the ability, and I like what you said too, that reminded me of something that I say, which is like, I remember I used to have, I, have a, I had a, a young group of kids that I did scholarships with many years ago in Thailand. They helped them get through high school and then university. And one of them even through her master's degree. And what I told them when they were young, is like, bring your problems to me. I can handle it. My back is strong. And I've been through so much that there's just no problem. And then having passed, you know, the passing of my sister and my father and all those things and all the different things I've faced in life, it's like problems do not, they do not intimidate me. They do not break me. I have the ability to push through them, to look at them. And if, you know, we can, and that, that, that's really what I get from your story is that you are, you built the confidence that you can solve the problems in front of you. And that's why people want to follow you. <laughs> that's why people want to listen to you. That's why people want to join you. And that, that's kind of my biggest takeaway. Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head. I, I, and it's something I try to share now with investors is that I truly believe, now we're in real estate investing. So, I mean, there's this, this opportunity exists elsewhere as well, but I'll use it in real estate investing that, you know, becoming an, even if you have one property, when you have that hands-on investment experience, it's not just about the investing, it, 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 it allows you to grow as a person and the skill set that you, you gain. I've never put it the way you said it, but you're actually right. That the, the skill set you gain from handling those, identifying and handling those problems 
it just it opens up doors for you. And it doesn't just open up doors in investing or something else. It opens up doors in careers and things. Like everyone wants to be around people and wants to grow their network with people that can identify and solve problems. Right. And it's the minority of well, generally it's the minority of people. And and when you are able to put yourself in that level, it just the horizons are automatically expanded. Yeah. I want to tell you a story about my best friend, Dale, who runs our coffee factory here in Thailand. And we had been running the factory, I don't know, it was probably 10 years at the time, maybe seven years. It had definitely had a lot of ups and downs. It was a tough start. We had the Asian financial crisis in 1997, and that was really painful. And Dale was in the factory. The factory was operating, and basically he was on the phone in the upper part of the factory, and someone came rushing in his room to say, fire. And basically, he went down and found our roasting machine on fire in the roasting room. And, you know, he just took control of the situation. And first thing is he got all the staff outside of the factory, except for two people. And he got those two people and basically got one of them to get a hose that we had, you know, nearby and start hosing down the wall and some other places because he could see the fire potentially spread. The other one, he said get up on the roof of this building and start pouring water down this chimney as fast as you possibly can. Meanwhile, he had like 27 screws that he had to unscrew in the burning heat with fire and smoke and all of this. And he just stayed focused and he did all of that. He opened it up, they sprayed it, they shut it down and we didn't lose our business. And I just think about that's a great example of, you know, there's the problem. Don't be a panic person. Be a person like Nick, be a person like Dale that sees the problem and says, all right, let's solve it. Yeah, I'll, look, Dale one-ups me, okay? I might have been the first one running up the building. I'm not sure, but but yeah, I understand for sure. But yeah, that's incredible. Like, that's exactly exactly what it is. I mean, that's what, uh, you know, it, isn't it? Like, doesn't that allow us all, if we're looking at a way to kind of give back, you know, we're, so many people talk about helping others and stuff like that. By being that person, doesn't that then allow you to be the person that's able to give back? Like, like with Dale doing that, think of, yep. so there was the business for you guys, 100%. But then there's also the jobs and the incomes and the families that are supported by those jobs and stuff. So like, it's the, I, I feel like you can grow your impact if you if you operate in that manner. And it's not perfect. And and sometimes you know you, we all fight with things where no one's perfect. It's not like oh I do this all the time. Like we all kind of like get off the rails a little bit, have to pull ourselves back, and you know it's constant kind of battle with that type of stuff. But I just feel like it. Yeah, I just feel there's more to it than than just you know the the financial means, the investment means, and that type of thing. I think that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to share yep. about it, you know? Yeah. Dale and I oftentimes think about how, what, one of the things that's great about getting older in business is you, you really are accumulating experience under fire. And, you know, you are, and that experience is so valuable. And it means you're not shaken by a lot of situations. And sometimes we we have a little saying that we say, which is, when we see someone, you know, really shaken, you know, under something that's pretty minor, we sometimes say crushed by the weight of a feather. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So build those experiences and, you know, build that strength and you're valuable not only to yourself, to your family, but as you can see, you know, to all your clients and the people around you that are inspired by that. So let me ask you, based on what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? Suffering the same fate from my investment? Yeah, from, from the mistake, let's say, your worst investment. Yeah. I think I would look 
I mean, I was, it was early in my investing career. It was my first investment. I would look for more information first. I was kind of the leap first and it got, got me in there and, and that's good. And, and there's something to be said for that as well. However, it would have been, I would have been more successful had I had, you know, just a little bit more insights, a little bit more data, a little bit more of an understanding before I got in. And I say it hesitantly because it's a bit of a fine line because there is the analysis paralysis side of things. So you can just look at information, things forever and not actually end up doing anything. And, you know, so there's there's good and bad to both. But looking back, I'd be like, if I studied the market, had a greater understanding of certain segments of the market and really understood the renovations that I was getting into and not just kind of looking at myself and being like, no, you know it, you've kind of been through a little bit of this, you, you understand it. And being a little, na- little bit naive in my youth, it would have turned out even better, I think, because there would have been actually some yeah. some real some real profit there, as well as lessons instead of just the lessons. But I did get the most. I look at it that I got the most valuable part, which was the lessons, yep. Yep. right? So, but it would have been nice to have a little bit more money come in because of it as well. <laughs> as our parents used to say, "Look before you leap." Yeah, exactly, exactly. Look and maybe double check. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, what's a resource of yours or any others that you'd recommend for our listeners? Oh man, if they want uh, if they want anything that we're up to, they can just go to our website's rockstarinnercircle.com. We have a, we have a few free books there, so they can just click on books. We put together a few different books, primarily around Canadian real estate stuff. Some of the lessons kind of are more wide ranging and almost international, really. But the books, the books to me, I'm, I'm a book guy. They're, they're the most valuable thing. But up there is podcasts and videos and stuff like that too. But it's nice to get a free book if you can. Yep. Great resource, and we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? Oh, man. It's, you know, it's funny you say this. So there's a bit of a story to this. So for a while here, we've been looking for someone, you know, we've, my brother and I, so we're the two, you know, our, our businesses together, some of our investing and also and uh, the, the main businesses. And we've been the bottleneck at some stuff. And we've recently added a couple of team members who've been excellent and they've taken, they've handled a lot more stuff and have freed up. Uh, so they, they've taken a little bit to get up and running and they've been handling some things and we're less of the bottleneck, which means that the good news about that is that I now need to go and find bigger problems to handle. So the goal for the next 12 months is exactly what we've been speaking about. Now that I've you know managed to get take a lot of the operational little stuff off day-to-day things off my plate, I have some more free time, which I'm excited about because it's to find bigger problems to turn into opportunities and see where see where that takes us and as far as growth. Mm, exciting. Exciting. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. If you haven't yet joined the Become a Better Investor community, just go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now to claim your spot. As we conclude, Nick, I want to thank you again for joining our mission. And on behalf of A Stotts Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? I appreciate it, Andrew. I think actually what you're doing great. If anyone's listening, there's just, there's opportunity out there. Never think there's not. Just go grab it. Go grab it, ladies and gentlemen. That's a wrap. On another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well fellow risk takers, let's celebrate that today we added one more person, Nick, to our mission to help one million people reduce risk in their lives. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.